Welcome, kids and queens, to One Sick B. I am your host, One Sick B. Here at One Sick B, we don't cry, we thrive, we don't whine, we whine. The definition of One Sick B is a strong individual that faces or fights through unimaginable, undeniable, courageous battles that life throws at you without warning, but you refuse to carry the spirit of brokenness. But today is loop, well, not today, this month, is lupus awareness month. And I have a lupus warrior. And when I'm talking about a lupus warrior, my God, she is a blessing for the lupus community. She shares intimate details, life stories, and life thoughts about what's going on and how to fight through this chronic illness that they face. Welcome, Shamika, and thank you for being on One Sick B. I appreciate you, love. I appreciate you having me. Well, this is great. Uh, I want to know, this new world, uh, COVID-19, has changed <laughs> us and changed everything around us. And then it kind of now is back to the new norm. But I want to know, how were you feeling at the beginning of COVID? Well, for me, um, I think that it was a lot different because the way that I was raised. Um, I was raised with sickness around me. My grandmother was bedridden. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't, you know, go to the bathroom. She couldn't get up. So when people were talking about COVID and being restricted and in the house, I resonated with that because I'm like, well, my grandmother would have given anything to at least have the option. We had an option and, and people are crying over, I'm stuck in the house for a month. And I was just like, it's going to be all right. You can still walk and go out and do things and go to dinner. She would have given anything if we would have been able to take her to dinner. No one could carry her. You know, we couldn't take a, a hospital bed everywhere. So for me, I had the appreciation already. And it wasn't anything like it's this is temporary. It'll be over soon. But for her, it was a reality, she passed away, that it was never going to be, you know, a certain date where she'd be able to until she crossed over to be with God. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of uh, definitely for you looking at it. Uh, for I'm one of those as well during COVID. I was like, are they crazy? It's the house with their family? I was like, are you serious? Like, do you, I've been sick since I was nine and, and didn't even get diagnosed till I was 17, didn't know what was going on. I thought the house was cool. Like you can sit up there and watch movies, free movie, popcorn, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And people that you don't even know your kids, like you haven't spent that much time with your kids. I would be the house mom since I had the kids. Exactly. You know, certain people were like, oh my God, take these kids. And I'm like, but they're your kids. Um, get to know your kids and learning how to cook new things. I We made it like a project. Now my 15 year old loves to cook. And we were all trying new recipes, trying different things. Like we like to go out to nice restaurants. We're foodies. And so we would, you know, be our own foodies, look at uh, the New York recipes, uh, the New York Post recipes. And try to make them ourselves and stuff. So we already were as a family, it was just a little bit more time. And my son actually loved it because he's a gamer. All he wants to do is just let me do my thing. I'll keep my grades. So he was happy. Like, I don't have to deal with the people. Great, mom. I will do my work. I will be online on my Zoom. Just let me be. 
Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I, I have a I have an introvert too. So she was like, "Oh, this is fine with me." Like I've been waiting for the moment where people stop calling me, asking me to go somewhere. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I understand." I was like, "Oh, well, as long as you're okay, you guys aren't going stir crazy." And it was the first year of college, so everybody was like, "When I was just getting ready to talk, like just sit down, wait on God, let them handle it. We'll figure it out. It'll be okay." But today, I want to talk about lupus. Uh, lupus affects millions across the world. Uh, lupus has always been seen as a minority disease and a female disease, but we also know that there are people from other races that are suffering with lupus, and there are male lupus warriors out there, especially uh, shout out to one of my male lupus warriors who's uh, looking for a kidney, uh, his second go around. Prayers Emmett. to him. Emmett, yes. Well, actually, this is his third. This is third. Third. Okay, yeah. yeah. Correction. This is third. So uh, shout out to him. Um, he is very strong and he's a very empowerment for them. So Shamika, can you please take me back to when you were diagnosed, uh, when you were diagnosed, your symptoms, and if you felt prior to diagnosis, if those symptoms you were like, oh, wait, and I'm pretty sure since you've had people in your life that have illness that you we're wondering, like, wait a minute, this looks a little too familiar, if you could take me back. Yes. Um, well, for me, again, I'm like a, an exception. My mother had lupus. So when we talked about it, she was like, there could be um, a possibility that you may have it along the line because your grandmother had severe rheumatoid arthritis. I have lupus and my um, aunt has MS. And I'm like, so autoimmune disease is in my family. So I was always on the lookout for it. And it's not like I wanted it. I just wanted to get ahead of it. So I would always ask my doctor, can you please do a full rheumatic panel? Um, and they kept saying, you know, you're fine. You're fine. Stop trying to manifest it. And I'm like, I'm not trying to manifest it. I just have come to the realization that it could be a possibility. And I'm having a lot of weird issues. Like at one time I was having... I had, um, I have endometriosis. I wouldn't say it's gone just because I have a hysterectomy, but I started to have issues with conceiving. I kept having miscarriages. And then when they were doing the normal pap smears, they came up and said one time that I had an STD. And I was like, uh, I don't know how that's possible. So me and my husband got into it. And I'm like, who in the world are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I gave him the runaround and he got tested and there's nothing that came up. And I'm like, it's not the math's not mathing. Nothing's making any sense. And yeah. I read that it could come up with um, Epstein Barr and all these other things when lupus yeah. is trying to pop up. Then I wow. had um, a weird rash on my abdomen that extended all the way to my back. And I'm like, why am I getting this rash out of nowhere? And they're like, oh, you have shingles. And I'm like, I don't think I have shingles. I had chicken pox. Um, right. Because going on with that? is it the butterfly rash usually? Yes, it's usually a butterfly rash. I never got the rash on my face. I just got it right. on my body. Um, right. So that happened. And then I lost feeling in my tongue for a month. I couldn't, I could eat, but I couldn't taste anything. It was just like, I'm just doing the motions. Um, so it took about a typical diagnosis takes between two to six years. And that stuff was happening about four years prior to me actually getting a diagnosis and my positive ANA um, because then I started having muscle aches and I was like, I can't open my hands. And they kept saying, well, you type for a living is probably carpal tunnel. And then it started to expand to my back and they were like, oh, you have back spasms. And I'm like, out of nowhere, like, where is this coming from? So they did 
a scan of my back, an x-ray. And when I took it to uh, the orthopedic doctor, he's like, your back is fine. Why are you here? I wanted to describe the symptoms to him. He was like, you sound like my sister. She has lupus. And I was like, so funny you say that because it runs in my family. And sure mm. enough, about an hour after I left his office, my primary care doctor called and said, yeah, we, we ran the blood test like you asked and it's showing up a positive ANA. You need to see a rheumatologist. And I'm like, finally, finally, you guys listen to me. Cause then they also said I had allergies because my glands were swollen a lot. I just felt like I had the flu and everything was just coming down on me. My hands couldn't open. It was hard to swallow. I just had this feeling of yuckiness. So I was just adamant about it, but that was because I was educated. For someone who's just getting a diagnosis or trying to, it's going to be hard for them. I had an example. So it that's why I kept like telling them, no, it's this. No, it's this. You, you have to be adamant with your doctors. Yeah, you advocated for your health care. Um, <laughs> after your diagnosis, what of course you said you felt a relief because you knew you had seen it and you fought and you advocated. After you're being diagnosed, what was your support system? We know your mother had already went through it, but far as the communication with your husband and started this new life, even though you have it and you've seen it, this is now your new form. How was that? Well, I had asked him before. Um, when I got the diagnosis, I said, I need five minutes. Let me have five minutes. I psyched myself up and it's like, okay, I have it. Now, what are we going to do? And when I told him and he was like, it's okay, what are we going to do? What, what do you need me to do? Mm -hmm. um, he was very supportive. Unfortunately, his job at the time, um, he worked for the electric company. So when your power went out, he's the one that would come out to restore your power, no matter if it was raining, snowing, hail. So he was gone a lot. So he could only do but so much. He couldn't come to all of my doctor's appointments. He came to the initial ones, um, but always reminding me, hey, take care of yourself, scheduling a spa day, just little things here and there that he can do to try and alleviate my mental <laughs> because that was really it. I'm like, I can handle everything else. I can yeah. get the kids together and I know exactly what to do. I'll ask for help with my dad if he can help get the kids sometimes. Um, but it it takes a village. It takes communicating with people. And my mom really didn't communicate that well. She just relied on me and my brother when we were young. She didn't really want to bring anybody else from the outside world to help her. She just kept to herself. Oh, yeah, she was just, oh, you know. We'll figure it out on her own. We'll yeah. figure it out. My life was no explanation. This just happened. Do this. And it would always be like, but why am I doing it? Nope. I need you to do this and just act. And so I didn't want to do that with my kids or with my husband. My mom was a single mom, so she didn't have anybody to report to. And so I, you know, I'm just lucky that we've been together for 24 years. So it's, we got together when we were young. I had my kids when we were, I was a teen mom. So it's, Me as um, well. Yes. I understand. So I understand. that's why supportive. <laughs> yeah, and that's a blessing we do have those partners. Uh, shout out to uh, my partner, my husband. I, we had been together since we were 15. And for him and your husband to jump in, they are some type of it, okay? They are <laughs> one in a million. You know, we're thankful for them, but we're thankful for them. Then y'all sometimes, y'all make us want to pinch Sometimes I <laughs> contemplate, do I want to wear orange? I like purple, but do I want to wear orange? <laughs> yeah, that's that's just the natural thing. What um, are three tips 
you would give to a new lupus warrior? Make a food and symptom diary. Number one, to prepare for your first appointment. Because they're going to ask you a million questions and you can chart yourself and be like, look, I ate broccoli. I had cereal. I had this. And at the end of the day, write down how you felt so that you can help them help you there. You come to them with problems, but you're not giving them enough information to help you. And then you get mad that they're not helping you. Number two, if you don't feel seen and heard by your doctor, fire your doctor. You pay insurance for a service. If that service is not being met, then you fire. If you have a bad waiter at a restaurant, you're quick to be like, give me someone else, give me the manager. Same thing applies to you. You are the CEO of your body. And make sure you remember that at all times. And if they are not listening to you, make sure you get your visit notes after every single meeting, after every appointment, and make sure that what was spoken about is actually in the notes. I've had in there has cancer. And I'm like, wait, what? I do not have cancer. It's because I'm taking a chemo drug that you mm -hmm. thought I have cancer. Sorry, a call came through. All of the time that people do not know cancer drugs treat autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. But make sure the chart is up to date and proper with all of the notes. And if not, or if they refuse to treat you with your recommendation, I want you to sign here saying that you refused to treat me and or not give me a test and I'll sign it too. Because that mm -hmm. is a record of law. Know your rights as a patient. Patient rights. People don't think about that. But I, and I don't know if I, since I've always had a chronic illness, that I've always had to pay attention to it uh, uh -huh. because explaining that to newly diagnosed MS patients, uh, just letting them know, like, you don't need to know your bill of rights. And like you said, you can fire a hire with no explanation. You have to feel comfortable because if you don't feel comfortable communicating this with someone else, it's not going to work if they're not going to mm -hmm. listen to you. I love your, I love your advice. And far as the food, uh, yes, the diet, can you please explain to us what type of foods would affect a lupus patient that they might not know? Um, I think everything should be done in moderation. No two lupus patients are alike. For me, I had tried so many holistic things initially. I'm like, I got a juice. I have to see this uh, vegetarian doctor. And it, for me, some of it helped when I was juicing. Juicing organic fruits, and it becomes costly, but health is wealth. Wealth is health. Okay, you need to spend you 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 don't care about spending a dollar on a burger at McDonald's, but that's poison and that adds up. So spend the money properly and get you some organic fruits, vegetables, and meats. And I feel as though I feel better when I have organic. Um, again, I know that that type of budget is pretty big, <laughs> um, but. A lot of the things that people had always said to me was avoid gluten, avoid sugar. Um, sugar really never did anything for me. And when I avoided salt, gluten, and sugar, I still had major issues. Now I have seven overlapping diseases. So as my doctor says all the time, I'm different because I don't have just one. So it was really hard for me. And then I was trying to heal my gut 
and I just kept losing so much weight. I've gotten down to 88 pounds. And I'm like, I, I got to have meat, people. I think we need to incorporate that back. Speaking of her getting down to 88 pounds, I found this pretty sick lupus chick, which <laughs> is Shamika on social media. She has an Instagram and she has a TikTok. When I'd seen her page, I first recognized her from, I mean, I'm not recognized her. I, it, excuse me, you guys. I stepped on her page and I realized that she had kidney failure. Can you please take us into how you created this pretty sick lupus chick and this kidney failure that you went through that inspired, not you, but inspired me and others to just take a deep breath in and appreciate life and appreciate the ones that are around us that have lupus and what you guys go through because it was so intimate, but it was so awesome for you to share those details. Yes. Um, so I came up with pretty sick lupus chick because I, you know, I have body positivity. I said, okay, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sick too, pretty sick. And I have lupus, but sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, your name would suit me because I have several overlapping autoimmune diseases. So I can be like, I'm one sick chick as well, yeah, um, but that's already taken. So that's for you. <laughs> That's all you. So I, I picked that um, before I was advocating for my mom, before I got a diagnosis. So I was always doing the lupus runs and stuff like that. And it was called Purple Ribbon All-Stars. And then I just took that to be more towards personalization for myself. Um, my mother also had a kidney transplant as well. So I went from lupus SLE to lupus nephritis. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was a little bit different than most people that are online. Most people online and even in these groups, people, the support groups I find sometimes can be a little bit toxic because people are attacking each other and trying to win an award like, no, I'm sicker. No, I'm sicker. And it's not like uplifting people. And I wanted to present myself differently. So I show the good, bad, and ugly. You'll look on my page. You'll see me on vacation, loving life, doing things. And everybody else just does a video on sickness. I don't want it to be where it's just sickness. I make lupus look good. And that's do, what I'm going to stick to. I know that's right. I know okay. that's right, sis. And so other people that are on there, they're educating. That's great. But I want to have authenticity. I want to connect with people and show you like, look, I may have been in Mexico last week, but guess what? I'm still sick. I'm at the doctor's office. I'm getting my blood work done. I'm showing yeah. you everything so that you know I'm not fake. I'm not just putting it out there. How real it is when I'm in the hospital, I um, make sure you're aware of that. I'm always chronicling everything. So it's not in an effort to get pity. It's an effort to educate people. I can educate you with facts all day, but you understand it more when you're brought into my world. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. And you do a good job of it. And I'm, yes. I'm also, I'm with you on that. I believe in being authentic, um, I, as well as me starting with Sick B Podcast and my page. I wanted them to see that I have my great days, that I'm out, I'm going to the party. Well, I don't party no more, I'm too old. I'm going to the concerts and I'm going to events. And also the days where I said, hey, this is me today. Me getting dressed and taking a shower was the biggest accomplishment and the best accomplishment you're going to get out of me today. So I love <laughs> your page because it's very authentic. Can you take into uh, this uh, into an uh, intimate part of your life where you had to have a kidney transplant. Can you tell me what you were feeling and 
some of the emotions, the positive and negative ones that you were having when you got, because you have had the transplant, which you were going yes. through. I'm uh, three months post-op. Um, it started when I did move from New Jersey to California uh, seven years ago. And I remember we were going to Hawaii for the first time with uh, my kids. Cause I said, once I moved to California we're going to go to Hawaii because you know, mm -hmm. everybody wants to go to Hawaii. Yeah. And my it's legs started to too. explode. Oh, it, it's cheap. It's cheaper well, flight from, from California. My cousin's like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii for the weekend. And I'm like, okay, I forgot to stay in California. The flights well, are cheap. It's still five and a half hours. So it's like equal for me to go back to Jersey. Eight. Right was eight yeah. from Illinois. So... <laughs> And it's 250, I can get it for $250 round trip. Exactly. Um, so we went for Christmas time. And when I got off the plane, I already knew that I was having um, little subtle signs of kidney issues. And the issues that were popping up were hypertension. My blood pressure would spike always to 200 over 90 over 115. The highest I got was 280 over 115. Um, and they did a biopsy and they were saying I was at... Um, kidney disease level three, uh, there's five levels. And the fifth is, you know, you're gonna need a kidney. So they were tracking my creatinine levels, which is uh, the protein that you pee out if you have kidney issues, chronic kidney disease. Um, but when I got off the plane, my legs exploded like tree stumps. So you retain water when your kidneys aren't working properly. And so when I got off the plane, my legs were so imploded that my skin was cracking because it couldn't hold any more water in my legs. I have little chicken legs. So it just like going from here to here in a couple of hours, my body wasn't taking it. So we had to rent a wheelchair. I called my doctor and he's like, you need to come back. And I was like, let me spend time with my kids and I'll be back. And as soon as I got out of TSA, when we came back, they rushed me to uh, the hospital. They already had a room waiting for me and everything. Cause I went to um, the doctor in Hawaii just to make sure I was going to be okay on the flight back um, if it wasn't going to make my legs worse. So in between things, I had to sit up within the bedroom with my legs up against the headboard so that the water would rush down and then my legs would go to normal for about an hour and, you know, just navigating from that. So they told me I was going to die when I got back from Hawaii and I was in the hospital that I needed emergency dialysis. I, I was against it. Even though I got a kidney transplant, I never did one day of dialysis because I did a holistic treatment of uh, stem cell transplants. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I've read about studies where stem cell transplants do help rejuvenate the body. And they were yeah. like, oh, that's hogwash. That's whatever. You're going to die. And I said, okay, well, I'm checking myself out and I'm flying down to LA and getting this done and we'll talk after. And I yeah, made that. They recommend it for MS, and I'm so with you. Anything that you can try that's natural from the body first before we jump into the deep yeah. water, and if you can, that's great. Yeah, I didn't want poison <laughs> with what I call, like, they automatically jump to that, and I said, I'm not doing that just yet. Um, so we did the stem cell transplant. You're able to do it every six months. I paid out of pocket. Luckily, my insurance covered 80% of it. So I got it back, but I just had to pay for it up front. Um, and that kept me alive for as long as five years. And then they were like, okay, your kidney function's at a seven. All right, mm -hmm. now we really got to get into it. And my husband wanted to be my donor and he wasn't a match. We were both the same blood type, but he wasn't a tissue match. 
Well, we found out about the kidney exchange program, which a lot of people don't know. If you have a willing donor, and even if they are not compatible with you, but they're willing to give up a kidney, you'll move to the top of the list. And so he was like, I'll do anything so that she gets to the top of the list. So I was actually listed in November of last year, and I got my kidney in February. Um, we were going to do a swap with another live couple, but they couldn't find one in a um, in enough time. So one became available from a life support patient in Connecticut, and they airlifted his kidney from Connecticut to California, and I had it done. And in you know a couple hours, I actually I died for two minutes after the procedure because um, they woke me up, and none of the anesthesia was working. I could feel all of the pain, and I started to rip the rails off the bed because I was like, I'm in so much pain. And they were like, No, no, no. And I'm like, No, I can feel it. I can feel it. And they kept injecting me and injecting me, and then I eventually just um, flatlined. And they intubated me. So when I woke up, it was hard for me to talk because they jammed the tube down my throat so quickly. Um, but I'm, you know, that was my biggest fear. What was going through my head is I may not come back. But I knew God had me. Of course, some sort of doubt will try and pop in your head. The devil will try and mess with you. And I was like, no, I'm coming back for my babies. I'm going to be here for my kids. My mom isn't here for me, but I'm darn sure going to be here for my kids. Anything I need to do. And that's why I'm here today, uh, you know, extended lease on life. My kidney's working great. I have no detection of issues. Um, I, I couldn't be any happier, any, I wanna do a testimony anytime that someone wants to ask me about it and be like, look, you gotta believe and have people on your side and, you know, it, everything will work out. Give me three, I it uh, I did want to drop a tear uh, because I love the fact of, let me, this is my testimony. This is what God uh, has done for me. And that's amazing. That's beautiful. And uh, for us to be willing to share it with open arms, regardless of people, you even think that even things like this, people would throw shade or throw negative comments, but you know, some people just don't have good sense that God gave them. So for you to be willing to share your story as well as others uh, about uh, the kidney transplant. And I love uh, how, like you said, you tried the natural. I'm going to go ahead and do the stem cell. And now I'm going to go ahead and do what I have to do. And I did not know about the kidney exchange program. And thank you for educating us on uh, the kidney uh, exchange program. What are three self-care tips you can give to somebody who's getting ready to go through a kidney transplant or has, has went through a kidney transplant? Taking time to reflect. You know, I, when I was in the hospital bed, I, of course, had time to reflect and I was half medicated, not half medicated. I was fully medicated. I don't even know what I was saying the first two days. <laughs> I was in La La Land and my best friend kept trying to talk to me. And I'm like, I don't know why you're trying to talk to me. I, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm on cloud nine somewhere. I have left the building. I yes. will return soon. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, mm, I see your face. <laughs> um, I... I'm a big person on feeling clean. There's a lot of people, and because I've been in the hospital so many times and certain times, you know, I can't have a room by myself. So I share a room with people and I feel like because they have to automatically put me on the cardiac unit because of my high blood pressure, 
those people have given up and they don't like to clean themselves. I feel mm -hmm. better. I feel clear headed when I'm clean and they wouldn't even ask for it. They're like, for what? And it's, so you brush your teeth at least like, come on, <laughs> can you please? It'll be days that they don't want to do like a sponge bath. They have all of the wipes that you can wipe yourself down. I would with you. I need to wash. Sure. Yes, I need to wash. My husband knew if I didn't bring my makeup in my bag, I would send him to the mall and be like, you need to get me mascara, lipstick, ask the lady for this. If you have a problem, put me on the phone with her. You I know, just, yeah, I can tell her exactly what I need. Um, but right now I need to feel, and not everybody's like that. They don't want to spruce themselves up. It helps me mentally if I look good and no one has to question me sometimes like what's wrong i i want to not look the part so self-care for me is making sure that i'm clean making sure that i look presentable it, it was to the point the icu nurses were like you're the prettiest girl in icu and i'm like well that doesn't Thank mean too you. much everybody's half dead <laughs> over there <laughs> that doesn't really mean much but i'll take it <laughs> but yeah and then just you know, doing daily affirmations. I'm sorry, I'm plugging in my phone because it's about to die. Doing uh, daily affirmations. I put that on my page as well. When you have to psych yourself up, you're in your head, you know, something's wrong. And I always have to like play some song in my head, do something to keep myself motivated. Because sometimes, you know, you want people to help motivate you, but eh, it may not be working. So I make sure that I always keep that in the back of my mind. Why is it not working? Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> You're I mean, if I could, if I, you know, I would say go get a spa day, but everybody has something different. Just do something, something that you like. If you like to journal, journal. If you like to write poetry, write poetry. If you like to draw, draw. If you like to knit, make sure you have that with you. Do something that is some quiet time for you. Mm. Um, I definitely uh, understand the feeling, the cleanliness, because, you know, in the chronic illness community, you know, they have that joke anyway. Like, if you are, if you at least took a bath for the day, you have did your job. And I'm one of those people, I may be sick four, three, four days out the week, or should I stay or, or down? But I'm very guaranteed I might have woke up that morning, got in the shower, brushed my teeth, washed my face, and if I feel good enough, I might put on a little bit of makeup. So when I look at myself, I feel good. So I definitely uh, appreciate that that part of the aspect of understanding. Um, going through this journey, um, I know it has taught you so many things. What would you say was the biggest lesson that you learned going through your personal journey? I definitely understand. Life a couple times, but it's okay, you grown. Know you gotta read between the lines, but it's okay, you on it. Know you got some people in your life that's gonna make you want it. Know you got some people by your side when you look into their eyes. All you ever do is smile, cause they make you worth it. You already know this life ain't perfect, but you gotta work it. You gotta adapt it to the pain, and you got used to hurting. And you're the one that's needed help, you used to offer service. You're not alone, not by yourself, now don't forget that. You're always fighting, always fighting for the get back. And you always trying, always grinding, and I'm with that. You're such a fighter, and your strength is where your gifts at. You know every day's a fight, but every day you getting up and perform. When you think there's nothing left, you gotta know you got more. Let's not forget that God sent the strongest soldiers to war. Like, God sent the strongest soldiers to war. Every day's a fight, but every day you getting up and perform. And when you think there's nothing left, you gotta know you got more. Let's not forget that God sent the strongest soldiers to war. Like, God sent the strongest soldiers to war.